Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Before we get to the show, I want to thank our show sponsors. First and foremost, Giant Bicycles. Giantbicycles.com. Check out the entire line of incredible road, mountain, gravel, all across the board bicycles they offer. A couple things that you can know about Giant. They are absolutely innovators. Since Giant launched in 1972, pioneered award-winning new technologies that have changed cycling from compact frame geometry to maestro suspension to advanced composite development giant has led the pack they own their own factories and aluminum foundry by cutting out the middleman giant offers high performance bicycles with exceptional value big thank you to giant i straddle one every time i am on the road also want to thank our newest sponsors scratch labs scratchlabs.com everything you need to go to to keep you going to fuel you to, to keep you hydrated the gels if you haven't had these gels they're absolutely brilliant not the gels the jellies you know the, the things you pop in your mouth they're delicious and they work so well and if you haven't seen the cookbooks that scratch labs offers to learn to make proper rice cakes while you're riding to learn to make savory bites with eggs and meats and if you're not into that because you're vegetarian you can go the, the rice direction i'm telling you great cookbooks personally cook them all the time in fact my fridge is so full of rice cakes that my wife actually is wanting me to go out and train more often see how that works it worked thank you to our sponsors let's get to a podcast shall we 
right, everybody. I know it's uh, it's been a long time. It's like one of those long, you know, time friendships that you get to get to know somebody in high school, and you go away to college, and they're gone forever, and then they finally come back into your life. But this is one of those relationships that I feel is like the so anyway friendships. It's like you didn't really need to have all that time missing. What's my point? Hi, everybody. It's Pat, and this is the Pack Filler Podcast. It's been a long time. I uh, I think if you've seen from any of the video updates or things like that, that um, uh, I'm in the middle of, of a studio remodel um, because my wife is kicking me out of the home office. And um, and we're and I, I also mentioned that we're going to do some format changes here. And one of the format changes is is a little bit more frequent and um, and slightly in the ironic form that we had such a long gap between our shows. But our goal is to hopefully bring something to you once a week here. Um, and saying that, I'm probably going to fuck it up. But Welcome to the show. Welcome back. And I am here not in my new studio. I am actually here in my wife's home office. But uh, we're in the middle of, of getting everything going, and hopefully it'll be dialed in very soon. But with me, of course, I can't do this show alone because nobody wants to hear me for an hour straight. But with me in studio, you know him, you love him. He's been on the live shows. He's been on the recorded shows. Welcome back to my good friend, Paul Maine. Hi, Pat. Thanks for... Uh Inviting me, and and I do. I, I'll mention that afterwards. But and also on Skype, in the middle of nowhere, apparently at some campground. Um, I I hope he you know can find his way out or something like that. I just imagine him looking like a Robin Robinson Crusoe victim or something like that. Um, you know him. You've heard him on the show also before. And uh, one of our main uh, other producers of the show. Welcome back to Karsten Hagen. Karsten, where are you anyway? I'm at Honeyman Dunes in Florence, Oregon. Okay, that does. I'm, I'm, I'm near the ocean, but if I, it, yeah, I'm, I'm near the ocean, but uh, uh, like not not close enough to any cell towers, apparently. So <laughs> my apologies. Yeah, we we decided before we went on the air that if he cops out any given point in time, he's just going to ring back into Skype and hopefully. I, you know what I envision? I envision um, uh, that Robin Williams movie. RV, where he's standing on top of the RV with his phone in the air or something like that, trying to type in things like <laughs> yeah, that. I didn't think I saw that. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm at, yep. Well, well, you guys, thanks for coming on. As I said, it's been a while. Paul was kind enough because we didn't get to do any shows covering the classics. Um, Karsten, and I hate to rub this India, Paul was cr- kind enough to bring in two bottles of Quermont beer, the actual... The beer itself. When you think of the classics, you think of the Belgian classics. I wish I could. I wish this was a video, but you guys could see what the bottle label I'm looking at. Six point six percent. Paul, what's the story behind it? A little bit more. Six point six. That's the average gradient of the Quermont. That what they climbed three times in the Tour of Flanders. So they actually dialed. Hey, well, hold on. A, hold on a second. I got to understand something. So, all right, Paul, are you saying that you've actually you, you've been to Belgium? Huh? That that that's right, Carson. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. I don't recall I'm, ever mentioning it on this show I gotta, before. I gotta clarify. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're sipping these things. This is one of the lighter Belgians, I, I have to say. It's 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 not as as not strong. I don't want to say, but there's that definite defined taste of a Belgian beer, and this one has is a little bit more light and drinkable. I do have to say. It, it does have a, a nice little, if you read, there's several languages about the Quermont beer yeah. in the back. I think the last one's in English. You could go ahead and read it. It's really small font. It's the beer for men who lead where others follow. <laughs> men who can move mountains with the determination of a child. 
What the hell? It's a, all this says all this says to me is that that bike racing is much more popular in Belgium than it is here. <laughs> oh yeah, just a wee bit. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's that's that's how we're kicking things off again. And before we get into the classics, I want to kind of let the audience know what we're doing here. This weekly thing, uh, once studio's kind of completed, you are you the listeners are going to be able to call in during the show or before or after if you have any comments or um, I don't know if you want to you know stalk us or something like that. You can do that. We're going to get to the point where you can also listen live. Our goal is to go every Monday at six p.m. on the Pacific time schedule, but although it is five o'clock on the Pacific time schedule right now. And um, I do have to actually go out on a limb and say that, yes, as promised, Bike Town will be released in May. Bike Town, Ben, Carson's hometown, he was kind enough to host me for, God, I think a combined four days over two trips. Got a lot of great footage, and uh, the first Bike Town is um, just about ready to be released. So there we go. Gentlemen, it's been a while. The classics have um, all but come and gone. Um, it has been, in my personal definition, one hell of a spring classic season. Um, I, I, I don't even know where to start, but I do kind of want to talk about the fact that it seemed like this was the, the season of the new blood. Uh, we had, obviously, um, Matthew Vanderpool kind of coming into maturity, if it may be, or something along the lines. Julian Alaphilippe actually crushing and dominating most of the spring and we saw a lot of new faces um do you, do, of the classics you guys saw does anybody have any outlandish uh declarations opinions thoughts or or highlights or lowlights of the season there uh I, well i mean I, I, for me anyway it's, it's yeah it's a lot about new blood and you know and also um seeing some old blood kind of having a hard time or you know um but uh uh was saying he's not new blood and i think he 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 provided probably for me the best uh performance of any classic so far it it just well he was up there in quite a bit uh liege was sure, the, the yeah, one because well, here's he finally won. yeah yeah full every uh single day race that he entered he finished on the podium. That's impressive. Wow. And every stage race, this part I, I'm not sure, but every stage race he entered, he at least won one stage. That's a heck of a spring. Through, just this spring. Okay, just he's done spring. that. Yeah. Um, and I, okay, and he's he's one of, the, as you say, he's one of the old guard. You Would you classify him as an old guard and Alexander Kristoff, who took Kent Bevelgum, as an old guard? Carson? I would. You would? Yeah, I would, yeah. I would too. But it's the performances of the young guys that were right there. Yeah, uh, that w that were pretty impressive. We had we had Gent Vavilgum, Alexander Kristoff, old guard. We had uh, Ala Philippe, who took Strada Bianca. He took Milan San Remo, and he took Flesh Malone. Uh, most people would c classify that as a career. You take those three races in one season, and and my God, your your value has gone through the roof. Yeah, you know the thing is, is I think uh, it's pretty exciting. There's everybody's made a con uh, comment about uh, Vanderpool and how great he is and everything. Um, I think I think he is spectacular, and I like the idea that he's not really pushing it. But I think he's probably taking a, a few lessons from his father and eating <laughs> pudge, uh, pigeon pie. 
Uh, so. <laughs> so, okay, I don't know, Carson. I don't know if you know about this pigeon pie story, but is this Paul? If in case you didn't know, Paul's been to Belgium, and um, he he has mm-hmm. these stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, Carson. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And um, he's got this inside track, and I don't know the story of Pigeon Pies, and it keeps getting brought up in the show. So, Paul, if you could give us a Reader's Digest version of Pigeon Pies. Well, uh, Andre Van- Vanderpool got uh, busted for for drugs, and it was arsenic. It was, for some reason, they could use arsenic, and it was a performance-enhancing <laughs> drug. His uh, <laughs> father-in-law, which is Raymond Poulidor, used to raise oh, pigeons, race pigeons and stuff okay. like that. And they would feed it to the race pigeons. Arsenic. Well, arsenic. Yeah, to speed it up. I don't know what it does. I, I'm not a doctor. I play one on TV. But um, <clears throat> so anyway, supposedly he got busted because the night before, Raymond Poulidor cooked him up a pigeon pie. And that was his excuse that he had the arsenic came from the pigeon pie from Raymond Poulidor. So that's why I say that. Okay. I didn't even know people actually ate pigeon. I. It's like a dove. Have you ever eaten dove? No. Oh. Carson, am I alone here? I'm, 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 I'm going to interject something here. That I'm going to say that um, arsenic is a really, really shitty high. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I just. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try it. I, I'm just trying to figure out. How, we. I mean, I guess we've come a long way in performance enhancing drugs since the day, but that somebody would think. I mean, you. I. I don't know. I was grown up to think arsenic dead. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I don't know that whether there was a certain drug behind it that used ar- arsenic or the arsenic a little bit mass. I don't know. But that that was his excuse. Was, okay. That was the early drug excuse. One of the best ones, you know, yeah. like my, my twin, you know, <laughs> yeah. that one, pigeon yeah. pie. It's okay. all in that category. Yeah. Okay. So, Well, all I know is the guy is absolute. He's a mutant. Uh, the fact that he can ride such a long season in cross and he, let's be honest, he made cross boring this year. And then um, he's also a, a World Cup mountain bike cross-country race rider who's, I think, ranked in the top ten, at least 10. Yeah, I think so. And now he's out here He's out here just crushing the classics. I, honestly, my highlight of the entire classic season was that Amstel gold finish. Yeah, I would say that, you know, the way he raced that was was on spot on i could not believe it um and he he put in such an effort in bridging and then he set back and he and uh come back of course fulgasang and um alaphilippe kind of dicked around a little bit yeah yeah and they i think alaphilippe it was a headwind coming up quick kowski was in there too yeah Yeah. kowski he was fried because he just bridged i think at like kilometer one or something like that but uh you know everybody's jawing on about um Vanderpool and rightfully so, but you know, Woot Van Art. If you watched Perry Roubaix, how many times he came back? Yeah, and and he still was in the top. Well, eleven, he fell apart. I mean, he just bonked. But uh, both of those guys are going to be forced to reckon. I think it's it'll be kind of nice, kind of like the Boonen, you know, Fabian Contralara thing. So, yeah, are, yeah. are they very fairly close in age, yeah, Van Art yep, and yep, Vanderpool? Yep. 24 in there. I will say it right now. Uh, Matthew Vanderpool will not be on that team next year. Well, that's going to take a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I, I heard rumors that he already makes $4 million a year. No shit. And endorsements and stuff. What? Yep. He's got Canyon. 
Uh, he's got uh, what other endorsements, and he and he made a vow that his his contract with them is uh, is good till 2023. He has no interest in racing the road. I, I other than Flanders, his comment at the end of Flanders, he goes, ah, "I got to come back because he'd never seen crowds like that for so long." Really, but he, it, it, so. Is this all for publicity? For like, I mean, think about it. Like, he he's kind of like he's kind of like, you know, um, given a. I don't know. I mean, he, if he, yeah. if he if he's really honest about that, that's pretty profound. Yeah. Well, his his big goal, he said, is uh, mountain bike uh, championship or, or the, the no at the Olympics. Really, in Japan. That's his goal. That's what everything's focusing on right now. After that, wow. he wants to make a decision what way to go. But that's more important than anything else. And he says, "I want to keep bike racing fun." And you know, wow. and I think he could, he's... Be the... could be the guy that makes uh, cross country mountain bike racing cool again. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Yeah, no, exactly. They need that. They yeah, need shot in the arm. And especially because of the draw. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but yes, I watched every cycling event in the Olympics humanly possible. But I have to admit, because Peter Sagan was in the mountain bike cross-country race, I was I, there was no way I was missing it last year. And that's nothing that against cross-country mountain bike racing, but it's just that, I don't know, the sport has kind of developed into a glorified, really rocky cyclocross, in my personal opinion. Um, but... Uh, I, man, if this guy is he the is he this triple threat that can be this kind of rock star of the entire season? How, how long can you maintain something like that? This guy's just—he's a horse. Well, you're, you've, you've you've given us some pretty good segues to Peter Sagan here in the last few minutes. I'm well, glad you bet first. Like, yeah. Who know, who knows how long it can last? Seems like every few years there's one person who's absolutely dominant. Yeah, they're in their mid twenties, and by the time they get to their early thirties, dominant dominant is a classics writer. Yeah, and by the time they get to their early thirties, they're they start to become irrelevant. We're, we're definitely seeing this going. It could be wrong, but he's definitely slowing down. And the same thing happened with uh, uh, what's his name, the British dude. Uh, you know, British dude. Uh, Thanks, guy. Cav. Mark Cavendish. Yeah, Cavs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, we might be jumping topics and stuff like that, but um, first of all, with Peter Sagan, I, I really hope that's – I hope, hope we're not seeing that. I, I think it just seemed like this spring, uh, just there was – he got sick and there was something that was not quite clicking. Um, I hope not because I, I love what his persona has done for the sport. And I, I guess maybe, you know, Paul, you're talking about – Vanderpool saying things that are he wants to keep bike racing fun, wants to keep it exciting. Maybe that's the kind of personality that is comes from somebody like a Peter Sagan. Yeah, and without it, he's always said that that you know don't take things seriously. Yeah. There was a I don't know if you guys remember um, a couple of years ago when Vanderpool maybe might might have even been last year uh, was really kind of stomping and, and moving up, possibly going to do some uh, classic races, yeah. and <clears throat> and they asked Peter Sagan about. What do you think about, uh, um, you know, Matthew Vanderpool? And he goes, "Who's that?" He well, said yeah. he didn't know. You know, and it, to him, it's like this is all—he's not into all that stuff. And I think that might be some of his my take on things. He went through a divorce, or he's going through a divorce. Sagan. Yeah. Oh. 
Um, so yes. yeah, there's a lot of you know you, you people x out the human factor of it. Yeah. If he's not having fun, it's hard to really and even on this small little amateur level that probably all three of us has experienced. When you got crap going on at home, you can't really focus on a bike ride or race, you know. And so maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's getting tired and it's not fun anymore, you know. And he always he says he'll return back to when he retires. He can return back to mountain biking. Wow. <laughs> this might be the time. You yeah. Know? God. Uh, yeah. Um, so as far as the as to kind of bring the whole spring into and it's funny that we mentioned Mark Cavendish because um, I, I think Paul you and I were on a ride this weekend and we both had a lengthy discussion about how uh, dimension data has got to be just either either in panic mode or in starting to shut the windows and close the house down because they've had such horrible what three years at least yeah I yeah they put I think a lot of a lot of money onto a cab and and for whatever reason it's been Epstein Barr or it's been yeah. something's going on and Yorkshire he 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 was supposed to come out he's feeling good he said uh, tour of Yorkshire and nothing nothing happened for him. Karsten camper boy, any thoughts on this wrapping up the spring? I mean, uh, aside from the fact that some emerge um i mean even though we do we didn't do you know spectacularly well overall yeah. i mean i think jungle boy was also pretty impressive yeah jungle you know, bob jungle bob jungle jungle boy yeah. okay because you were kicking in and out there and then all of a sudden you just came up and said jungle boy so i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i, I, I got it my connection is so bad. I really apologize. It's I all right. thought of this ahead of time. Just you know, um, stick one arm yeah, in the air, yeah. put wrap it with tinfoil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, aside from the I mean the, the only thing I'm gonna say is the uh Amso Gold was the most exciting bike race finish I'd seen since the end of the tour when it was uh, Le Mans versus Fignon, and it was a time trial finish. I think what, that's a great comparison. Yeah, and, uh, that is yeah, a good comparison. That, that is a really, a really good, good comparison. comparison. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, that was one of those moments that I was really glad on bike race days, even though I'm a lazy ass and I don't get up and watch it at 4 o'clock in the morning like you do, Paul. <laughs> but I was really glad I stayed away from social media that entire morning until I watched it, and because I, I, I think one of you guys might have looked at me. It's just kind of gone, you know, wide eyes going, "Yeah, watch today's race. Just, just watch today's race." And, and I went into it, and I think um, I, I, I had family in the living room, and it was on, and all of them stopped to watch it, and and. My wife and my son sure have a bike racing background, but there were other people in the family who had no clue what was going on. But they were intrigued and they were riveted. So obviously, you know that that was that was a hell of a moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and especially that happened in, in his home country. There, oh, that was yeah. a big, big, huge thing. He was surprised. I can't remember the name of the company that's doing it, but they're now we can now see the stats as the riders are coming across the line. We can see their watch as they're going across. We can see their heart rate, um, and I can't recall the name of that company that's doing it right now. Um, but I did see the stats of Vanderpool as he was coming down that final stretch, that final kilometer. His heart rate was over 190 the entire time. He was pushing at, at or above 1,000 watts that final kilometer. I mean, those are numbers that 
if you're into if you're into numbers and you understand all that kind of stuff, that's just that's just superhuman type of an effort in in my personal opinion. Some DNA on his side. Yeah, sure. Velon, Yeah, thanks, Paul. Brought it up on it. Brought that up so I could see Velon. And I, I don't know anything behind that company, but if that's, you know, if that's the equivalent of the glowing hockey puck when Fox Sports came out doing that nice, you know, I, I, it'd be cool to be able to see that. I don't know if I want to see it the entire race, but man, you know, climbing out to Huez to be able to see these guys' heart rate and what they're doing and that kind of stuff is. Yeah, I may, may, maybe well, too bad. applications to other sports. I mean, yeah. look at, you know, what if what if you could have live data from New York Marathon runners crossing the line? Like, yeah. you know, what's what's their heart rate? What's their pace? Like, live, you know? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it no makes kidding. it more watchable. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I'm, we do get some of that. You know, we're during uh, during some of the stage races, and this is a perfect segue to shift into the Giro. Um when we're seeing some of the stage races, they have specific riders tagged and they're able to see that, that information as they're going along. That's pretty cool. Uh, I couldn't imagine having, you know, little, little thought bubbles and arrows pointing down to all, all these riders at all given point in time. And so, you know, it's too much information, but, uh, top 10. Yeah. It's, it's pretty damn impressive to see what those guys can do, you know? And, and so now when I'm on, when I'm trying to get power wattage numbers, I realize why I'm, Never gonna go fast. Well, hold on. Before we get to stage races, I'm gonna yeah. make one observation. I, I want to make sure I brought this up. But <clears throat> so you know, when Vanderpool crossed the line, okay, he didn't sit. He didn't sit up in a saddle and do like the pistolero thing or the, <laughs> or the lawn sprinkler thing like Sagan did. He freaking did you see what he did? He hand he, hand like, to his head. Batted, yeah. Yeah. Like what the fuck did I just do? You know what? Like, <laughs> Like, oh my God! I mean, to me, that to me, that right there, that because I I hate cockiness and 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 people that aren't able to be humble. And yeah. you know, when, that's one of the things that I've always had a problem with Sagan when he was first winning all those races and he's doing the getting all you know uh, had all that bravado. Yeah. I hated that. But this guy, he's got better cycling DNA than almost anybody out there. He's more talented than anybody we've seen in a long time. And he didn't cross the line being a cocky bastard. He was, like, really humbled and, like, blown away by what he just did. You know what I mean? I thought that was kind of cool. Do you think that was humility or shock and disbelief? Both. Both, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, you know, no, I, I'm the type of person, I don't like it in any sport. I can't watch NFL because it's like watching yeah. the WWF stuff now. Yeah. You know, it's all celebration. But, yeah, I agree. I, I Hopefully he stays that way. I agree with you, Carson, about Sagan. It took me a while to warm up to him for that same reason. It's just, it was, you know, maybe we're old codgers or something like that. But, um, <laughs> these yeah, these I like that. It Well, cycling, of all the sports, to be – you know, cocky about this one will humble you so fast yeah. more than any other sport. You're not always on your game. There's no way. Season. It might be kind of interesting. Sorry. No, go. Yeah, you, gotta some, you gotta do some editing there. Sorry. No, <laughs> I don't edit. Um, uh, okay. So yeah, I mean, I, there are a lot of those kind of guys who, uh, I've always had a problem with Cavendish. I don't know. I would like to talk to the guy now, especially to see, you know, I, I've had a problem with Cavendish, but I don't want to see his career end the way this path is going. Um, and you know what? I always had a problem with his his kind of cockiness, but d there has to be a certain degree of it, 
I guarantee you, if you sat down with Matthew Vanderpool right now, he's going to be a little arrogant. You have, I mean, they call it the fast asshole syndrome for a reason. <laughs> you have to be self-centered and 100% believing in yourself. Now, I agree with you, Karsten. You, you don't necessarily have to do it by, you know, you know, slapping your lower thigh to show the size of your dick when you're coming across the line. But, you know, it, I, but I also think you got to be able to, I don't think any of these people are completely saints. Well, to be successful in sports, period, you have to be a bit of a narcissist because yeah, yeah. it's not a team sport. I mean, we can all talk about how much it's really a team sport, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And the people that, you know, I mean, look at the most successful American in the sport ever, Armstrong. You know, he, he's, <laughs> he's a, you know, like, but he's, he's, he's got some good qualities, but he's the definition of a narcissist. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that sort of defines what it takes to be pop, to, to be successful, you know. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully not to that extreme, yeah, that extreme level of, of things sure. like that. So, um, okay, I'm 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 moving on. Uh, before I get to actually talking about the Giro, I do want to bring up something, Carson. When we had our show, you weren't on the show a couple months ago when we had Dismount and Paul, and I think CP was in in the audience. I mean, was in the show. And we were we were rating the kits for the new season, and you you honestly sent me a little text, uh, giving me shit for for for. I, I don't actually recall. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it in terms of if I actually said I disliked the CCC kit. Um, I actually I actually do like the CCC kit, and if somebody wants to text me and say I'm full of shit and I'm I'm backing down, um, I j- I just want it to be said that I don't have anything against the CCC kit. Especially because I did it listen to it again, and you're right, and you did like it. I think what I yes! my reaction was based on the fact that I got a bunch of um, feedback from uh, people that I deal with at work saying they didn't like the color and graphics on the bike. Oh, really? And oh. yeah, and I because you know we, you know with the team launch they thought oh it's boring it's just black with white details. I thought that was I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant. You know, um, it does not. What it does, it, it, it's a freaking brilliant way to um, make the bike subtle and make the rider what's important. And, and you know, I'm also going to say that the, the bike's going to start looking quite a bit different here in about a month and a half. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Really? So uh, just, you might just, want to square people I, away. I know, I know a guy. Yeah. What's that? Well, you probably, I don't know if everybody knows. Carson's no. attachment. Yeah, well, he's got he's got a soft spot there, oh, but yeah. um, it's I I don't mind the black bikes, and I like the orange kit. Um, but I guess my point is to segue into the fact that you now Carson Hagen have the opportunity to rate a kit because we have a new team in the peloton. Sky is True. no longer. We are now Ineos or however it's pronounced. Um, ugly as ugly as ugly as fuck. I'm just putting that out there right now. <laughs> you know what? Somebody posted on social media the other day, and I thought it was actually brilliant. And I think it was John Brady. Who? And if you guys follow a Facebook group just called Doping, it's John Brady's an ex uh, an ex US yep. cyclist for Seven Eleven, uh, smart ass on Facebook, and he actually posted the guys in the Ineos jersey that black to red right next to a blood bag hanging from a from a hook, and it was the same. <laughs> Color pattern. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, so just to segue to another podcast, Neil Rogers pointed that out in his podcast. Did uh, he? In, uh, last week. Same thing. Like, it looks just like a blood bag. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's 
hilarious. Yeah. At, at what point did somebody not look at the guys and say, um, hey, guys, uh, we might want to go in a different direction? There, you can't tell me there was not one person sitting around a fucking boardroom table that didn't say, guys, that we might not want to go this way. Oh, it's just ugly. I mean, you know, all comparisons are tied to a blood bag. It's just not a good-looking kid. Yeah. I'm sorry. And and there's been quite a bit of controversy in terms of the corporation itself. Um, and, you know, I don't oh, want... Yeah, in yeah. terms of what they produce, the amount of... You know, toxic chemicals and plastics this company produces, and here we're here. Skype last year had freaking killer whales on their back because they wanted to get this huge statement out to reduce the plastics in the ocean. Correct? Am I am I yep, am I yep, off base? Yep. Mm-hmm. It had an orca on the on the yeah. back of their jerseys for that reason. Yeah, yeah. I heard a comment about uh, that. They there was a bunch of people who were going to show up the tour of uh, Yorkshire this last week. And protests and stuff. Really? It never, it never did unfold, but they were anti Ineos and it, it just didn't come together. Yeah. So, are, are we being, is it, I mean, I think there's a, there is another company in the Peloton that does similar things. And I can't recall which one it was. Uh, I mean, there, Bahrain, you yeah. know, we've got, you know, civil rights and, you know, situations. Yeah. That, I mean, obviously, Cycling doesn't have the luxury to say no, you know, put their foot down um, when money comes, especially this type of money that Sky now, you, you know, says. Requires, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just what's, you know, all these you could probably pick apart, but it's kind of easy when it's a team that I, I don't like anyway. I can always find more holes to punch, so. Well, here's, here's, here's my question. My question is, if, if, if pro cycling at the world tour, tour level was um, supported only by uh, environmentally, um, you know, human rights responsible, you know, oriented responsible companies. Would it exist? No, no, no freaking way. Am. Sad truth, you know. Yeah, and on top of it all, um, if you've ever watched any bike racing, you'll know that yeah, sure, the riders are, are, are not producing any any bad things, maybe outside some methane or something like that, but um and arsenic. But um but you've arsenic. got you've got you've got first of all you've got all these riders throwing bottles and, and things off into the air, which I guess they've they've clamped down on a little bit here. But then you look at the caravan. You look at the strains, uh, the, the hundreds of cars and motorcycles and all this kind of stuff. I guarantee you we are not this is the highest end of this sport is not leaving a, a good footprint. The team buses alone, yeah. the, the fuel that they consume is amazing. I can't remember the I want to guess on the figure, but I'm like, "Holy crap, but just to get around, you know, and they run those buses all the time to keep the air conditioning going, all the electronics. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it, it isn't, it, uh, it has that image. Helicopters. Helicopters yeah. on top of that. But it has that image of bicycles that's green. So you have teams, I mean, you have corporations like uh, Enios and all those who want to clean up their image, you're going to tag on to something, you know, that's that's got that green look to it. Yeah. And, and and so where are they headed? I mean, what is what is uh, what is the uh, the thought process going on in this team? I I know I should be talking about the Giro and giving Giro talk, but um, I looked at the list of who on Ineos is participating in the Giro, and there are two very prominent names missing from that roster. 
Froome. Froome and, and Thomas. Thomas. It was because uh, uh, Brunel was supposed to be the one, and he broke his collarbone last week. He's out. He was That was his first tour that he was going to lead. Speaking of young bucks, he's only 22. Really? Yeah. And where does that lead? The Arguably one of the biggest programs in the world in arguably one of the biggest races in the world. I would say that, well, first off, about that program, they've been very public about saying that the minute there's a doping conviction, their sponsorship is over. Yeah. And I'm sure that's contractual. And I think that's that's been done before, but at this level, I think that says a lot. Yeah, I agree. You think they'll stick to it? Carson? I mean... <laughs> I don't mean to sound like thing. a... Here's the thing. So... Uh, whatever they're doing, it's probably not illegal yet. So yeah. it's probably a, a safe, you know, it's probably a safe, uh, safe thing to say. But you know, who knows whether they actually fall through on it? If they're winning the tour and somebody gets popped halfway through it, or somebody gets popped after the tour is over, like a Floyd Landis scenario, yeah. who knows what what's going to happen? I think they'd be more likely to pull out if it was after. That's, but in the middle of, that would be a, a hard one. They would have to say, well, we have to see the B sample, and we have to, you know, that yeah, type yeah. of thing. I'm going to fight it. But I didn't yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that process. We but afterwards, they, they, I mean, I'm sure if the A sample came back, they've got their exposure, you know, so. So yep. looking at the Giro, uh, kind of an overview splash um, I can't remember how many five-star stages they have. Probably five um, fairly brutal stages, three-time trials, um, and a lot of the the usual suspects are back. Um, you know, obviously um, Dumoulin and Sunweb are back. Um, you've got you know a whole lot of stuff going on. At, um, you know, Bahrain Meridia with um, why am I? Um, why am I drawing a blank on the Messina, the shark of Messina? Why am I drawing a blank Nibali. on his name? Nibali, yeah. you know, and, and all those types of things going on. The Gavia is back. That's what nice. makes me excited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, thoughts of, of the great Andy Hampston and, and riding in the snow, that passes back. And that's actually given one of the five-star stage ratings here. Um, does anybody want to go out on a limb and say just any can, any predictions in terms of riders, in terms of teams? Um, I, I hope for the sake of Dimension Data, they at least come away with a stage win or something <laughs> along those lines because I don't want to see teams go away. Uh, I, I would, you know, I'm going through the start list right now. Mikael Landa, there's one that, that you would think. There's 60 kilometers, I believe. Uh, 60 kilometers of TT, but there's a lot of climbing involved. And Dumoulin is on the wrong bike now. That was for you, Carson. <laughs> and, uh, Thank you yeah. very much for that. <laughs> uh, well, he hasn't won a TT since they switched. They got rid of Giant. I'm just saying. So, Fuck yeah. yeah. You mentioned really? that on the ride. Yeah. You were saying that not you know not to necessarily bash another company, but you were saying that, yeah, the, the time trials don't work out well on a specific brand. Uh, yeah, you could even see, uh, what's his name, the Australian, the world champion. Um, I'm drawing blank. Yeah, I don't know why I do this whenever I uh, do this. Anyway, yeah. yeah, he's the world champion, and, and here he was uh, with B BMC, and he raced yeah. that bike, and now um, 
He's on uh, Bahar, uh, Bahrain, or yeah, Merida. Merida, Bra- Merida. Bahrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they're on those yeah. Marin, uh, Merida, yeah, Merida frames. And he has he hasn't won a TT yet either. So you I, know. I'm gonna say I think we're gonna see a goofy looking um, guy from Mitchelton Scott in pink at the end of the three weeks. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. In those helmets. Yeah. Those God. It's, time, it's time for him to do it. Yeah. 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 Simon Yates. Yeah. 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 I always wonder which Yates is which, but, you know, but Simon's I think one of them is going to do it. It was, yeah. it was clear in the classics that he was getting ready for something. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. When the Ardennes, he was, he was pushing the Ardennes classics. Yeah. Yep. So, um, okay. And I'm, I'm looking through the team lists. I, I think Primoz Rodzlik. Could probably yeah, without a doubt, he had a great, great Roman Roman D, yeah, yeah. and and a, a race he claimed he wasn't going out to win, <laughs> and he just dis- destroyed. Boy, that would it. be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah hey, yeah. hey uh, Carson, when I go down to uh, oh, to see you at, at Ben, you know, yeah. I, I I don't I don't plan on winning. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to see if that's that uh, psychology <laughs> works. So I can't I can't. Totally blame it on the bike. No, are you, are no. You, by the way, by the way, are you riding a Belgian brand bike? No, I am not. No. It's Swiss. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. What yeah. are you riding? Uh, BMC. <laughs> oh, oh, see, there he goes. You <laughs> 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 there, there, there was, I had another, my first carbon frame. My first carbon frame okay, is that, what. That, that, what that right, I'm, I'm, I'm saying right now, that was. That was the best moment of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see my TT bike? Are you going to make fun of that one? No, oh, no. I'm not, well, okay. What are you riding? It, it's it's a giant. He's on a giant. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh yeah, yeah. It's an older older <laughs> Trinity one, but nevertheless. But the Trinity is a lot faster now. Is it? I'm sure. Well, I don't have the the deep yeah. pockets. Sorry. But you know, yeah. here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to my BMC, I had great luck, and I've, I never – it broke, finally broke after five years. But I had another brand that Dumoulin's on, three yeah, frames yeah. exactly to the, to the month. One year, four months, broke. Every year? Every broke. year, three times. Really? And that's when I went wow. to BMC. So. Wow. I didn't mention that. I just yeah. said that Dumoulin's riding on those. I got to say mine, you know, and this is this is definite, a, you know, cha-ching, sponsor plug here moment. But uh, <laughs> this is the stiffest bike I've ever been on. And it, I got to say, and I don't know, Carson, you might be able to give me advice off air. We were training on our what's going to be our state championship course here in about a month and a half. And we have gravel sections on it. And uh, that that is a whole discussion within itself, you know, having gravel sections on a yep, road course. Sure, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I I gotta say, it's I don't know if it's the stiffness or if I need to probably get a different set of wheels for doing those sections. But I, it was I was bouncing all over the place. It scared me. Yeah, it's a you know, it's a tire thing for you. Is it? You, you can you can you can put bigger tires in that thing than you think you can. Yeah. And um, that is all about tubeless tires, diameter, and pressure. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that's you can you can you can fix all that. Yeah. That's pretty easy. It's 
Yeah, well, that, you're on a good, you're you're on a you're on a really good bike for that course. I'm just saying. Well, it's, it's it, in this case, it's definitely the rider, but uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get to that here. But I want to keep jumping. Oh, something. whatever, dude. No, <laughs> we're, we're gonna get to it. I do. No, I seriously, I am gonna talk about that stuff here. But you know, um, I do want to kind of. And the, there are several topics I wanted to hit on in this episode, and and the three of us were kind of chatting through text before the show this afternoon, and there was something that happened a couple weeks ago, and as you've noticed, I've gone from the global population of cycling the global racing community and i'm trying to bring it down a little bit more narrow and specific and um i do want to bring attention to it it's not really that much about bike racing but it is definitely something about somebody who was in bike racing and um and i'm sure a lot of the listeners know about the recent article that came up about rebecca twig one of the greatest uh female cyclists probably ever to straddle top tube in in history and definitely um from this country and um, and what she has been dealing with and going through, and um, and the fact that a lot of us in the in the cycling community who were born and raised in that era, and you know, and I, I mean, I had a gigantic crush on Rebecca Twig, and I, I don't want to turn it into anything, you know, disgusting or anything like that. I, I, and I think every junior in America had a crush on Rebecca Twig at that time. Well, I was a senior, and I yeah. had one too. But um, but. Uh, Rebecca has been going through some really difficult moments in her life, and um, she was just in a recent article in the Seattle Times about her living homeless and um, living on the streets and, and having shelters take care of her and dealing with um, not necessarily cla- classifying mental disorders, but talking about some of the things she's been going through. And um, I'd like to hear comments from both of you guys on that revelation and that, that shock in terms of finding out where Rebecca is in her life, but also in terms of what the sport kind of does and how you know you spend your entire life so focused on one thing, one objective, one goal, and you live your life so dedicated at that high level, what does that do to you when it's over? I mean, we see a lot of pro cyclists flounder after retirement. I'm not saying going as as, as harsh and as deeply into a mode as Rebecca Twig has done, but are, are, are these are these athletes? Is it is it the DNA? Is it uh, the lifestyle they've led? Is it the the drop of no longer being the center of attention? What you know? What is it? So I guess I'm asking way too many questions. But um, Carson, if you want to start with this, just because I can make a visual cue to Paul, and I can't with you. Well, okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying, you know, when we did this last, it was a year ago, actually, almost a year ago today, we did this, we did this, you know, in a public setting, and we're all trying to be funny and stuff, Uh, you know, when we're all kind of going back to who we were when we were 16. Yeah. And I'm going to admit that, yeah, I had a huge crush on Rebecca Twig because, you know, she... She not only was, is, was, and is, I think, a beautiful woman, but she also was fast as hell. Yeah. So to my 16-year-old brain, that was like, oh, my God, like, just exists, you know? Like, <laughs> this, this is possible. You can be really beautiful and also be unbeatable. Yeah. And, you know, so when I was that age and to this day, I still think that's a, an amazing combination. Uh, but... I'm going to say my my comments during our earlier podcast were you know, really sophomoric. They were awful. And, uh, and I'm going to apologize to anybody listening to this now uh, about what I said 
back then because it was off base. Wow. Okay. Thanks, man. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't think you were alone. And um, it's kind of funny. I, I should have, I should have grabbed one of our other contributors um, who has obviously her incredible amount of opinion on this. Amanda Batty, when she talks about some of these things and the, and the things she deals with in her, you know, in her life and things like that. But, uh, but, but you no, know, I mean, I, I think that we all t- have a tendency to, you know, especially as you said. At that time, a 16-year-old brain, I had a picture of yep. Rebecca in my bedroom wall, but it was her on a track bike, a Bonato track bike with Duigi's, white Duigi's on and one of those San Rencho track helmets. And I thought, honestly, she, my father gave me a, an article of Sports Illustrated with Rebecca in it, and that was the first person I knew about at that high level of cycling. And to have heard... You know, and, and and to have followed her throughout her her career, and then she just disappeared. I think it was was it ninety six? Was it that late? I think it was. Um, that she completely just disappeared off the face of the planet, and to to hear about what happened to her and why how she ended up where she was, and um, I know that she was married to Mark Whitehead for a short amount of time. Mark, who passed away pretty suddenly, I think too. So, but um. To just to my, I guess once again, my my question is is, you know, Marco Pantani is a great example of this. Uh, when we have these athletes who are so focused, so dedicated, so idolized, when it's over, are are they set up for this type of a of a crash? But don't you think that's true in all sport or yeah, even anybody in fame? Um, you know. It, Reading that article about Rebecca, of course, I was part of that that bantering that we went on, and and we did, you know, as much as of course now I'm Shane, but it had you know, of course, would we feel this way if she was totally successful, and you know that type of thing? I I don't know, I you know, of course, you know, I looked at myself once I read that, it's like holy crap, because we all made that comment about I wonder where she is. We should get her on the show, and then yeah, you know, blah 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 blah. But I think you know when reading her story about. You know, she's touted and, and people were taking care of her. But the part that really struck me was that her own mother kicked her out at 14. Yeah. And that, wow, that that's hard. I mean, we never saw that or heard that story. That's something that she didn't want to be told, you know, want people to know or whether people just didn't, were they trying to create this image? Did they create this image for Rebecca for their own profit, you know, uh, the uh, USCF at that time or what? I mean, there's a lot of questions behind the story that, that the Seattle Times didn't cover. But nevertheless, you know, once you start failing as a, it, well, we'll see what happens to Sagan. You know, if yeah. he doesn't come back, what, it, all of a sudden, well, he's got mountain biking or whatever. But, you know, all these people, it, it, they just, to me, here's an example, because I'm not a Le Mans fan, but he sticks his nose in just to be heard. And it's like, just go away. Just go away sometimes. You just say the stupidest things. But I think uh, anybody that's in the limelight has a tendency to do that. Uh, you know, but Rebecca, you know, I think she was uh, suffered from that that type of environment. You know, um, I mean, so Paul, you said something earlier about Vanderpool having a contract with this obscure continental team for four million bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, four million dollars. Yeah, that can compare that to an NBA salary. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that ain't that ain't shit. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> Um, I mean, 
and and he's a guy. And we all know that women aren't paid on equal par as men. And and when Rebecca Twig was in her hot when she was, you know, when she was at her best, when Annie Leibovitz took that picture of her on the velodrome, yeah, she was, you know, she was at her absolute pinnacle professionally. She's probably making less than any of us are right now. Oh my God, yeah. Endorsements mm-hmm. in, in, in included. So, what's that say about the sport? And, um, you know, and you know, we gotta we gotta analyze that. We put these people on these massive pedestals. We put Rebecca Twig on the same, and and, and Lance Armstrong, and um, you know, Fuglesang, and whoever on the same pedestal, as the same pedestal as Michael Jordan, and we expect them to to live with the same amount of you know the human beings. Mm-hmm. We expect them to live with the same amount of you know um, self esteem that that generates. That's not realistic. Like, they're making enough money to retire for seven or eight years, Mm -hmm. ten years, not for life. Yeah, you got to. That's a very, very good point. You know, we look at 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 thirty at thirty five. Yeah, and and when I'm I'm talking to and and especially um, domestic pros and and one thousand percent des. female racers that's i mean they're they're working another job to try to keep things going they're sleeping on somebody else's floor to keep things going and um there's no magic wand that can be waved here because um you know hey we need to have equal pay in the sport but you're dealing with a sport that has to solicit itself for money for sponsors and shit man you know i i know none of us are going to come up with a with a solution here in in a one-hour podcast but, um, you know, and I, I also think uh, I, I applaud Rebecca for having the guts to come out with the story, especially because, you know, that's putting yourself out again. You know, she was commenting in the story that she's she's now at a place where people don't recognize her anymore. Um, she hasn't owned a bike for years. Um, she's relying pretty heavily upon a specific shelter to take care of her. And, um, that, first of all, that takes a lot of guts to do that. And, and, but she was doing it to try to draw some attention to the fact that a couple months ago, there was another story in Seattle about the fact that Seattle is rotting from the inside. And it's this, we need to have more police officers and, and all these types of things. And all these people, you know, these, these homeless people need to be driven out and this type of stuff. And I, I, and that Rebecca actually came out and said, it's not all about drug addicts. Sometimes it's about mental illness. Sometimes it's about not understanding where to go and where to take your life. And I, I, you know, I, I, for what it's worth, I give her credit for having the guts to go out and do that. I'm going to put this out there. What, here's what got me into bike racing. What got me into bike racing was going out to the, um, going out to a crit in Redmond in 1985, the self magazine crit. It was a women's stage race in 1985, women's only. And watching a crit with Rebecca Twig and Anna Thompson and Sophie Eaton, actually. Yes. Um, I mean, it, it was a women's only stage race. And watching that thing, that is what made me want to be a bike racer. Wow. I was on my 
my best friend, I was walking on the roof of my best friend's uh, parents' station wagon. <laughs> I'm watching the crit in 1985. And, like, it didn't matter what gender they were. Like, that's what made me want to be a bike racer. Yeah. And those are three people we all know very well. And it was, uh, you know. Yeah. That, to me, says a lot more about bike racing than, you know, yeah. Then Enos. Then Enos, yeah. The team blood bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, oh, no, I, 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 that was definitely, I don't know if you have something else you want to mention on it, but that was that was definitely something that was kind of the, when I saw that article, I went, damn it, I, I need the studio because I think this is a topic that is that is a big deal. You know, there are a lot of people who listen to this show who aren't necessarily uh, people who've just started riding, and they, and, you know, people have been with the sport for a long time, and and we knew that the person personality that was Rebecca Twig, and and how big of an, you know, influence she had on a lot of us, you know, and 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 to to hear that, I, I don't want to call it a tragic story because I don't think she's, I don't know where, what kind of a place she's in, but um, you know, for what it's worth, all the best, right? Yeah. So. Yep. Um, hey, well, let's let's chat about it before we run out of time. Uh, the Cascade Cycling Classic is back. Um, obviously, uh, I've I've been uh, living and breathing a lot about Bend as I finalized the first Bike Town episode. Karsten, you are a resident of Bend Cascade Cycling Classic, one of the uh, longest running stage races. If, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, consistently for in in the country and. Um, after two or three years, Carson, it's back. Is it two or three? Yeah, I think it's two. Yeah, two. Uh, the, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. And um, Paul's going down. Paul's going to race it. Um, I would go down. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You're laughing. I would go down and race it, but uh, I came to a conclusion and realization uh, this last weekend that I am actually 50 pounds heavier than, than uh, Paul Main, and that that does not bode well for the terrain surrounding uh, the Cascade Cycling Classic. Yeah, just to push that point about 50 pounds more, I, I was climbing Carson. This is, I, I looked back and I could see he wasn't really suffering. He just wasn't dumping on this hill. And I said, I sure wish I had 50 pounds of dog food on my back right now. I'd probably enjoy it more. <laughs> he didn't laugh. He didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. In fact, I'm some, still not quite over yeah, it. Yeah, some four-letter words came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Carson, do you know anything about the courses or anything that's being planned? Paul, I know you're probably looking over it. Well, I mean, so, oh, sorry. I mean, all I know, I actually haven't looked at the courses, but you, what you said earlier about the last stage sounds like it's Arbor Butte. Yep, um, Arbor, yeah, it is and, Arbor Butte. There's gravel in it this okay. year? Yeah. So the best the best quote I've ever had from anybody about Aubrey Butte at I'm going to stop you right now. Um. Like, are you trying to stop me from going down there? Because it's it's you've already built up the scary thing. He's so go sweating. go ahead go ahead yeah. Okay. okay. All right. So I mean the road the big road stage is going around um, Bachelor and everybody's scary of that or whatever. Um, and the time trial if 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 the time trial is that Skyline is I mean you can. If you're fat like me, you can make up some time going downhill. It's just straight but uphill. It's Arby, only 5K. What's, 
What's that? It's only straight uphill. No, that's that. Oh, it's just, it's just, it's just pile of view. There's no other time trial. Well, there, there's a five kilometer time trial. Maybe I, I, I think that's misunderstood. Pile of view. Yeah. It's right, just it's five yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, well. Good luck. I'm glad. I'm, not, I'm, I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> we climbed that. We climbed that in the episode just so people want to get yeah. a reference right. of that. Will, will you get that thing produced I know, before so I go down? Fuckers got to release Jesus. it. Yeah. I'll show you the footage because oh, I was riding with a large group of people uh-huh. at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's. It, uh, it, it, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it does <laughs> suck. <laughs> Here's my comment about the last season. This all review. Um, this is the best quote I've ever got about that. This. this is from Brick Brand. He said, "He goes in Eastern Kansas. He goes, they break. He goes, dude, Aubrey beat circuit race. That thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you climb that thing once, you're fucked. But you climb that thing three times, you're fucked three times." <laughs> oh. I am so glad I'm not going. I'm so glad I'm not the going. The TT is called Good Dog TT. Good Dog yeah. TT. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Look at it. I'm pulling it's, it up right now. Hurt, you, you know what? I, I, yeah. All of a sudden, I've got those nervous shits going on. I might have to use the toilet. So. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's so scared. He's pulling his mic away from his face. Exciting prologue stage that runs the stage sponsor, blah, 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 National Forest Good Dog Park. Then about five miles up to the top of the hill. Your lungs and legs. Oh, I got it. I can't stop. (laughs) No, I'm done with that. (laughs) Is that the one you were talking about? When you're all all done, when you're all done, let's go get a beer. Okay, we will. Yeah. I'll look you up. (laughs) Ample locations in which to try that. Aubrey, Aubrey Butte. Circuit road race is the last stage. Will I be able to yeah, walk after yeah. that? What's that? Will I be able to walk after that? It, it, the Aubrey, I don't know. Aubrey Butte. Oh. <laughs> it's like not going down. <laughs> There's no stairs I have to go down, I hope, <laughs> at this brewery where you're going to take me. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, I just remember, I remember writing up that thing for the first time when I was fit. Like, not now. Like, not, like when I was fit, writing up with Ryan Chabon. And just watching him levitate away from me like he was a different species of yeah animal. Yeah. Like, just, it's just, that's amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well. Good luck. Yeah. Are you going to, are you going to pedal in anger this, this summer, Carson? You going to do any actual pinning a number on? Yeah, uh, Tuesday night. And uh, we've got a, so we have a uh, a weekly ride fe- featured in the you know in the um, upcoming uh, video down. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Called Hammerfest. I'll, I'm doing that, and then we also have a, a time trial series up Skyliners, which is um, uphill. Um, that sounds fun. <laughs> but other than that, no, I'm yeah. just riding. I'm trying. I, frankly, 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 I'm a lot more into riding up bikes downhill nowadays than, you know, than going uphill on a road bike. A lot more. You know what? And I, I need to, I need to talk to you about that because I've, I, first of all, I spent a good chunk of this year. I've been, 
I'm not going to lie. I, I was in pretty shit shape last year. It's getting better this year. And I have to, even though they are not a sponsor of the podcast, I have to throw credit out where credit is due. Um, the folk, the people over at the Sufferfest, I have done their training programs. And on top of that, I've done the fitness test, worked on the weaknesses they said to work on. And, and I have to confess something right now. It is in the 70s and it's going to be in the 80s here in Spokane, Washington. And I am still training indoors during the week. Because, really? yeah, because of the specialty efforts I can get. When I go out on, on a regular road ride, I'm thinking, okay, I need to work on these specific intervals or something like that. Uh, you, I don't necessarily have the terrain I need to or things like that. I, I hop on my trainer here, and I'm able to get a very specialized workout. That's one thing. I had to confess that I'm still racing, I'm still training indoors, even though the weather's beautiful. And you guys can probably, I'll let you guys comment on that one when I'm finished. And the second thing is, is I'm also doing a mountain bike race series on Wednesday nights. And I am so pissed off at the fact that, I, that guys who I know are in far worse shape than I am are passing me because of their technical skills. Well, I know, I, you know, you can, uh, Pat... You can ride in the morning, um, but you're not a morning person. Well, every time we – Carson, every time he goes, you want to go – are you going to ride this weekend? It's always yes. What time? Uh, I'm thinking 8 o'clock. You know, I'd even go at <laughs> 6.30, whatever. Whatever fits in the schedule. You know, we have wives to, to take care of and houses. And, uh, how's 10.30? Well, wait a minute. 11 that's o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm still asleep. Uh, I need my beauty sleep. I need my wings. <laughs> so that's why that's why he trains indoors during the week. It's because he doesn't want to wake up. I wake up at five five o'clock in the morning. And there's a small little group ride that I'll catch every now and then. And you still do that? Ride. Yeah. Do you? I did it last week. I was going to do it this week too. So yeah. I'm set. I want to put this out there. I have not done a, an early morning group ride in years. I just was. I can't. Like, I can't do it. Yeah, that's it. The alarm goes off, yeah. and I'm like, no. It, no. Uh, and the night before, <laughs> the night before, I have just laid out no. my kit. I have laid everything out. I've had it all ready to go. And the alarm goes off, and I'm just, no, it's not going to happen. And I've, I've come to the realization that I am not a person who can do that. I can't wake up in the morning and work out. <laughs> it's never going to happen for me. We're just riding a bike. Okay. That's what's so exciting. I know. It's That's just what you not going to yeah. fucking happen. Yeah. Paul, Paul, you're, you're a freak. I, I, I can't. Thank you. I wake up. I, I wake up at. I wake up at. You know, six thirty, seven o'clock. I don't. I, I ride Swift during the week at like, you know, eleven or twelve because it's next to my desk. <laughs> my bike's on a. My, it's on, my bike's on a smart trainer, so I don't have to put on a bunch of clothing. I just put on head big shorts. And no makeup. And you don't have to do any makeup or no fix makeup, your hair. Yeah. Unlike unlike Pat, I don't put any makeup on, uh, and I. I, uh, yeah, I rest for, you know, whatever specific workout it is for like, you know, an hour and, 40, or, and 90 minutes and I'm done. I am raising my arms in victory right now, Karsten, that somebody else yeah. is either as smart as me or as lazy as me. I am so happy to hear this because in all honesty. That's why Rift that, is so popular because it's for people who have jobs. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's. Like and and nobody like I, I call you like the fact that you can get up at five a.m. and be motivated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's a bike ride, you know. Yeah, it's it's mutant I can't, yeah. territory. Can't do it. <laughs> you probably did it in your younger ages. I'm I'm a a young fifty six. No, no see, here, 
here's what I'm doing at 5 a.m. I'm playing Pat at Words with Friends and getting my ass kicked. <laughs> I have been crushing your ass That's lately. Oh man, and you know, I, I, yeah, that's a whole nother story within itself. Our, our words with friends yeah. relationship, but yeah, 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 yeah. You're cheating. You're cheating. I'm not cheating. I am not cheating. I am not cheating. Oh, I okay, whatever, whatever. Dude, I just, I have finally learned that QI is a fucking word, and this oh, is yeah. has nothing to do with cycling. Yeah. yeah, an XI. Yeah, yeah. She. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But yeah, yeah. We just lost ninety eight percent of the listening audience. I'm not cheating. Whatever. <laughs> well, you guys, um, for the for our first attempt at a weekly uh, format, hopefully it'll be a little bit more uh, consistent than maybe perhaps my training. I went out. Speaking of training, I went out and rode that damn gravel course, and I'm I'm seriously reconsidering my my goals for this summer because. Paul went over the gravel like it was the entrance of Arenberg, and I, I, I think I let out a little squeal, and I don't know if that squeal was from my face. It scared the I shit out of me. I think it was the squeaky stuff that came out of the, your butt cheeks. That's what I'm saying, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, there's yeah, a little he's, there in there. Tighten it up a little bit yeah. there, but... Uh, um, it's it, it's a bad gravel. I mean, it is. It loose. is. It's it's uh, yeah. It's it's a tough little course. And I want to get into. The, I, I do in a, in a, one of our future weeks talk about the fact that we're talking. We're seeing gravel enter into road racing, and what is that doing? Um, and you know, is I I think it's an intentional move by a lot of people's uh, points to maybe build build popularity and dab dab into the the gravel people out there but like i said that's a whole nother topic within itself um but here we are one down and we'll see if i can get consistent and we'll see if we can get more people in um you guys text don't text me uh send me a voice message things like that and uh let us know uh, what you're thinking of of the new format and i promise i promise bike town is coming out within uh the next you know 10 days Oh, there I could see that hill, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm a low-budget operation, people. We got to get out of my wife's office. So, gentlemen, thank you very right. much for coming on and being on a show with us. Thanks, Pat. We'll catch you guys next week.